Um, this is one of those mornings when you don't know where it's going. Neither do I. <laughs> because God gave me, God has given us something that sometimes when, you know, sometimes when you ask God for something and then he gives you so much that you go, well, huh, which ones, what, what do I use, how do I use it? So I have some notes and then I have lots of little um, pieces of paper in different scripture points. So I might be screwing from the two. Um, but are you ready to come on with me? Yeah. Excellent, right. Are we, you want me to go? are we ready to go? Yeah? Okay. All right, so this morning, um, this week, I, because obviously, as you know, I, I mean, I, most weeks are out with the young people, so we don't get to hear the, the uh, Pastor Tony's words or any of the words in the house on a week-by-week basis unless we use the podcast. So um, I've been... We've been rather preoccupied. I've been a naughty boy, not listening to them for the last few weeks. So this week I've corrected that. So I, I, I did. I had like an evening of just me and Pastor Tony, <laughs> um, of of listening for like one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it was great because I'm I'm thinking just when you think you're tired, and then God goes, no, just go to the next one, just push yourself, and then you're glad afterwards because you go, oh, it just hits your spirit. So I really kind of had in my spirit all week that which obviously. Pastor Tony's been talking about for the last three weeks where we've been talking about his kingdom come. And we've been talking about um, how these seven mountains of influence. Yeah? Um, And so I really, it really started to hit my spirit. And something I picked up on last Sunday, um, Pastor Tony mentioned something about the Jew of heaven. Now, I know we've spoken on this in the past. But God gave me a scripture several well, months ago, and, got, and I brought it to Pastor and said, oh, you should preach on that. But it's like, it's a scripture in isolation almost, and you think, well, where does it fit? How does it fit? I can't just preach off. Sometimes God can help you to preach off like two lines of scripture, but other times you need a greater understanding. You see, sometimes when you minister the word, you minister on something that you already know, you're just giving it a different angle that depends on how the spirit leads you. Does that make sense? So it's not that you're hearing anything that you've not heard before, but it's just that you're hearing something in a different way. But I believe this is slightly different because when we've been looking at the dew of heaven, and I spoke to Pastor Tony about, about this, I saw a different dimension to the dew of heaven that I hadn't seen before. So, when, when you, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great challenge because it means you're learning something before you get to tell anyone else. You have to see it yourself. This is not something I already knew, something that I saw and I believe... God said to me last Sunday when Pastor Tony mentioned the Jew of Heaven, he said it's time to bring that. So we'll, we'll see. So what I'm, what I'm doing is not, and I don't believe it would, it's going to anyway, it's not going to contradict anything. It's another dimension. As we always know, when we seek greater revelation, the same scripture you've read a thousand times suddenly takes on a new dimension. And this is, this is I feel, what's happened this time. Um, and my intention is to show that... The role that the Jew of heaven, I believe, wants to play in the, in the season that we're in right now. So often when you hear things about, like, the Jew of heaven, I always associated it like the reign of heaven. So whenever you hear the reign of heaven, what, what comes to your mind is always, you know, you rain, rain upon a barren land, you know, you make things grow, it's all, I get, I get soaking wet, and it's all the Holy Spirit, and it's all good stuff. Do you know what I mean? 
It's never kind of like, and it rained, and it was cold, like, you know, and it was horrible, and, and you wanted to get out of the rain as soon as possible. Whenever you hear the rain of heaven, it's always a, a pleasant thing, something we want, something we ask for. And I heard the, and, and we can, and, and a lot of the time, the dew of heaven kind of gets put in the same bracket. But in the way I, I saw it, I was looking, thinking, hmm, that's different. So, and what I want to do is just bring a different perspective. And I really want there to be a cry. I really believe that um, if we can get to the stage where we, we, there should be a cry for the dew of heaven, however, a knowing what that means. Sometimes we can cry for something, but you don't know what you're asking for. You know, they say, be careful what you ask, what you wish for. There's, there's that. And I, I really believe that, you know, in, in the moment we are, Pastor Tony, and I'm quite excited now to kind of listen to the rest of the things that he's got to say about his kingdom come, because we've only, he's only so far through it. And he's, he keeps promising us all the answers are going to come on, on the way. We're going to stick with him. So I'm quite, I'm excited about that. But I feel that we've, we've our eyes have been opened to the fact that there are seven mountains of influence. And, you, and I think every single person in this room is ha, one, at least one of those mountains we're in. You know, family. Let's just put that one. So family, we're there. Economy, we're there. You think about, so if you work, then you are, you are, the economy has an effect on you and the, the philosophies of that have an effect on you. If you are living off the benefits of this country, then government has an effect on you because you're in the government because depending on what government and what process they put in will, will potentially change. So it, it, it really does establish. And Pastor Tony spoke last week about how the, the philosophies have a spirit behind them. I and mean, we heard about the Antichrist and the spirit that is anything that would bring us to, not, to, 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 the, to the place where we feel that it's too high for us to take. And we can't go into those domains and have dominion. But we, 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 and I believe that what we want to do this morning is, is try and help to see how God wants to do something with the Jew of heaven to help us. Something will shift in us first. Because one of the things that you find is, how can we go into a domain and, put, and place the kingdom in there if the domain is in us? If the philosophies of the world are in us, then how can we go and affect them? Because we, whether we realize it or not, we have to see, well, do I think like they do? How much of our walk is based upon the pattern of Christ and how much of our, of our philosophy, if we actually look at it in action, is based upon the philosophies of, of the domains that we're looking at, that we want to affect, affect those domains, but actually we're being affected by them. And so, you know, he used a scripture from Colossians 2, verse 8, which said, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So in order to see the kingdom of God move on the earth and rule over the mountains of influence, we must be free, we must first be able to come to them with the mind and truth of Christ. If we can't come with that, then we are no different. Moses said, what would make us, if, if our spirit doesn't come with us, and we don't have it with us, then what would make us any different than anyone else in all the nations of the world? There must be a something different about us. Now, I want us to use the scripture, and the main scripture we'll be using um, this morning, is from the book of Daniel. So if you would turn your Bibles with me to Daniel 4. And, you know, this, as we've been talking about 
these things. It, it's, it's interesting how easily. I mean, uh, this week, uh, Em and I had some good news. Um, we have um, finally, um, we have a new home to move to, um, which is fantastic. Um, so the Duffs are coming to a town near you. Um, so we had the offer accepted on Friday, um, and which is great because now my dad thinks there is an end to where how long they'll be staying with me before. I, so it's like going back 15 years and I'm back at home. Um, so we will be, we'll be, the Duffs will be together again for a short period. And thankfully that's going, well, at least now I have somewhere to go. It will be a defined period. <laughs> um, but when we look at the, one, of the, one of the things that was happening with me was, and one of the areas that is always is you're so conscious of making the right decision and not making the wrong decision that you can become so, just your mind's completely crazy. And God showed me, um, on the day we had an offer accepted on our house, which I didn't really have, I'm not, it wasn't a, oh, I love this house. It wasn't one of those moments. It just wasn't. It was one of those, it does the job. And it's in an area we like, and it ticks the list. It just doesn't have that, ooh, my heart swains for it kind of thing, yeah? Um, partly because it currently looks like, well, an 88-year-old was living in it. So it hasn't been decorated for about 40 years. So you can imagine, yeah. Um, so if you're good with a paintbrush, let me know. <laughs> um, but... We went to, this other house came up that we previously looked at. It wasn't, we, we, did, we didn't think we could afford it, but, you know, we looked at it. We, we didn't go and look at it. We saw it on the pictures, and I kept thinking, oh, that be good, because it's right in the area where we wanted. We wanted it to be just around near church, and there's one just, it's just, a, just around the back. Perfect location, looked great, and everything. And the way of the world, the, the philosophers of this world are to make us think that everything looks wonderful. Our way is wonderful. Our way is brilliant. Our way is, is just the, the, the best there, there can be, and there is no other way. And this house that we were looking at, although it was in just a nicer area, it wasn't as what we wanted, but it was, it was, it just, it just, there was just two, there's two different things. So, but it's not until you step into them that you begin and allow God to show you some things that you begin to see the differences. And we talk about that the, That in, in 2 Colossians, it speaks about the deceptive philosophy, which depends on... Now, human traditions, that house would have been great. But when I walked into it, I started to see things structurally, it was wrong. They, they did this big extension, and the wall and the floor kind of went like that a bit. And then it was a bit uneven. On the, and the more you look closely, you see the flaws. You see how it looks great on the outside, and what I'm driving to it, I'm like, I'm already there. This is the one. This is the one. Absolutely. And, but then when we get there, outward appearances are not. It's the internal that we see. And I believe that God is, is, is saying to us now, we have to go beyond what we see, and we have to now start to look at the, at the, deeper, at the deeper levels. And so, so I want to, if you come with me to Daniel 4, and... It's a lot of scripture, just letting you know. But I, I believe it's important to give you context when, you, when we read scripture. Is that okay? So, so rather than reading a couple of lines, I'm reading a bit more. But it's just in order so that we, we, can, we can fully see everything. Um, so in Daniel 4, we're going to go from verse 4 and 5, and then 
Forget 6, 7, 8, and 9, and go to then verse 10 to 17. So that's where I'm going to skip to. So it says this. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Now, let's give us that. Now, if we look at Nebuchadnezzar, the previous chapters, this is the guy who built, a, who built, who decided to build some gold statue and just decided that everyone had to worship it. And if you didn't, you're going to go in the fire. Okay? So, say, godless man. But then this was the man also that was the one that saw Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego go in there and come back out of there. So he recognized that God had power of a sort. But still, he sat in his, in his house. He sat in his palace. Now, you think about Babylon. We're talking about Babylon as a worldly system. Then there can't really be much more of a, human, of a Babylonian person than the king of Babylon. Yeah? So this is a guy that is, if we're talking about being, being deceived by the deception, the, 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 the teachings of the world, then this guy is pretty much it. Because he is, he is in his splendor and his beauty and his majesty and his, his power and all his wealth. But then he has a dream. He says, these are the visions while I was lying in bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and it touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruits abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. And in the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. And here's the the bit I want to draw your attention to. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The Holy One declares the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets sets over them the lowliest of peoples. Now this man didn't understand this vision, because he was a godless man, didn't have the mind. So Daniel came and interpreted it for him. And the interpretation was that he was the tree and he was going to be cut down and he was going to be drenched and he was going to be made low, like an animal, have the mind of an animal. And that doesn't sound to me like the usual way I think of the Jew of heaven. The Jew of heaven is going to drench me But rather than bring me the love of Jesus, rather than bring me the wonderful beauty of his presence, and rather than cover me in in like oil and and all these kind of like wonderful things that we we hear, and also the fact that we, we hear that the dew of heaven brings blessing doesn't sound like it. This kind of sounds the opposite. And so we look 
that there was a godless man consumed with power and greatness. And he was convinced that we didn't, I, didn't, I don't need God. I don't need God. And many of us in our lives, when we, 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 go, we come to church and we can come to church and we can say all these things, but when we look at our day-by-day lives, is it possible that some of us live in a way that says, actually, I don't need God? Because I have my job, I have security, I have my family, that's all I need. I have, I have all of these different things in place. And that the philosophies of this world actually are the things that we are resting and are confident in. Rather than actually saying, my heart is completely and utterly humble before him. So the Jew of heaven was sent. It didn't just fall. The Jew of heaven was sent. And when it was sent, it was sent with a purpose. And what was the purpose? Let him be, it says, it was sent with a purpose that the decision is announced by messengers. God always announces. When heaven speaks, it's pretty unmistakable. When you have a God encounter like that, it's pretty, so we see there is, there is a God encounter in the midst of all of this, okay? Um, and I often find that the mercy of God is that the further we are deluded by, our, by the things of this world, the louder God generally seems to speak. Because God knows where our hearts are at. So if our hearts are soft and tender to him, a simple whisper generally does the job. But often we can go along a road and longer and longer we become, we become reliant on the philosophies and on, the, on, on the, the values almost of the worldly system, the principles of this worldly system. And God was showing us here through Nebuchadnezzar that he came to humble a king. He came to humble him. But this was, a, this was only a dream. This, wasn't, this didn't happen at that point. This was a dream. But then we see, 12 months later, if we look at Daniel 4, 29 verse 30, and th- verse 30, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the... Sorry, I keep knocking, don't I? As the king was walking... As the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? So had this man taken heed, so he was afraid. Oh, okay, I don't like that dream. That was a bit of a dodgy one. I had a bit of a dodgy curry the night before, possibly, and it, was, it wasn't good. But then Dan, but even after we see there is an interpretation and what it means, and this is directly on you, 12 months later, the man still is captivated by the hollow philosophies of this world. The man refused to humble himself before God. And so here again, it says here in Daniel uh, 31 and 33, 4, 31, 33, it says, even as the words were on his lips, so God is patient. He was waiting, and even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what he's decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth 
and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now I find it interesting. This, could just, this is just me, but I'm just putting it out there just because it fits. I think it said that seven times had to pass Nebuchadnezzar while he was laid low below the lowest of peoples. Now, as, as man has been given dominion over the animals, yes? So therefore, to be made like an animal is to be low, to be below the lowest of all peoples. Heaven came to show different things, and we'll look at what, what, what the Jew was doing. But here we see a man that his arrogance and his inability to humble himself before God resulted in God having to remove everything that he had. He was removed from his kingdom. He had his authority removed. He was removed from his home. He, went into the, he had to go into the forest. He had to eat grass like an ox. He, couldn't, he was made as low as could be. Now he was, he says, until seven times passed you by. Now how many mountains are there? Just saying, just saying, folks. That when we allow the philosophies of the world to begin to enter into us and lead us over God, what choice do we have? Does God have? We have, we have free will. We don't have to follow his way. But if we're saying that we want to be able to go to these domains and have dominion over these domains, and bring Zion over them, there must be a shift in our hearts. Because if the things of this world remain in us, and the hollow philosophies remain in our daily lives, then we cannot bring the truth and revelation of Jesus Christ into the world. We cannot have any effect. Now I want you to turn with me, if you can, this is where it gets a little bit, one of them, because this is, there's two other examples that I want to quickly show you. They're all different in the way, in, 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 in that, and we're going to come back to Nebuchadnezzar because I want you to see through his response the things that God wants to show us through the Jew of heaven. But I want you to show that this wasn't the only example I saw. Now, in Genesis 27, um, verse 28, this was Jacob. Jacob had stolen, this was the point where Jacob stole the blessing off Esau, yeah? And this is where. I know we've heard about the power of the dew of heaven. It says, may God give you of heaven's dew and of heaven's riches an abundance of grain and new wine. May, may nations serve you and propel and propel and, and peoples bow down uh, to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to see you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who blessed you be blessed. So here we see, yes, the Jew of heaven sounds pretty cool at that point. However, what do we see Jacob doing only a, few, a chapter later? Legging it. Had he entered in to the blessing of the Jew of heaven? No. Because he was actually, even though he said he was going to be Lord over the peoples, he was running away from his own family. He was having to run away from his own, his own family. And so we catch him. In the next scripture, where it says that in Genesis 28, 10. 
Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because of the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. You see, this is a man that was in a desert with a stone for a pillow, all on his own. You see, he used, he allowed greed or or selfish ambition, whichever it was, because although it was his mother who was telling him to do it, he still agreed to do it. Jacob still saw what he could gain. Does that make sense? Jacob still saw there was, a, there was a level of selfish ambition, of greed, so I can get the blessing, even though it should rightly go to my brother. And he disguised himself with fur in his hand and put his brother's clothes. He did all of those things. So Jacob had not humbled himself before God. Jacob was just sneaky and crafty and got the blessing of God. But here I want to see, that, so the Jew of heaven has not yet entered into his life because there is no blessing. He's on the run. That's not blessing. Does that make sense? Yeah? So he has, and what do we see again? Another dream. Another encounter. God himself comes, and he sees the ascending, like, you know, he says, therefore, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending them. The God above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you your descendants in the land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like this, will be like the dust of the earth, and, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid. I'm going to move this down one because I keep blowing it, don't I? Jacob was afraid. How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And then early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And then he he then makes a vow to God. The Jew of heaven still had to bring a humbling to his life. He was on his own. He'd done his way. He used not the righteousness of God, but the philosophies of this world, which is greed, which is, which is all these things for personal gain, the hollow, the hollow things that says, go and get it now. But had he entered into it? No. What had to come? A humbling. He was afraid. He was in a desert. God came to him, gave him a promise. But the promise could not happen until he was brought to his senses and he realized the power and fear of God in his life. And then he turned because God was showing him it's my way or it's the highway. These blessings don't come without a journey first. Does that make sense? Turn to Exodus. Just want to show you. So again, we see that Nebuchadnezzar's case, the dew of heaven was on him. It was drenched, it, dren- it physically drenched him. In Jacob, it was bestowed on him, but its work was done in the humbling of his heart as God came and spoke to him in order for the blessing, for him to go on a journey 
in order, because he hadn't even started his journey, so that he could make a new journey and go where God went. Does that make sense? Now we, hear, we see these with the, um, the Israelites. And in Exodus 16, the whole Israelite community set out from um, Elim, from verse 1, and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat in pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They were moaning. Because their hearts were still in Egypt. Their philosophies were still of Egypt. God had split the sea. And yet that was not enough. That was not enough. So we carry on. So then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day and so on and so forth. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, in the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And... It says, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. So although it says that, they were grumbling against Moses and Aaron. They were just the boys that were just getting the, the flack. But what they were saying was, God, we don't believe you. God, we don't believe that. You're, you're sending us into the desert to die. Our faith is not in you. Our faith was in Egypt. Our faith was in the food that we got whenever we wanted. So let's have a look what happens next. While Aaron was speaking... To the whole Israelite community to relay what God had said. They looked towards the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. So again, God comes. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with the bread. Why? Then you will know that I am your God. That you will humble yourself before me. So then what do we see? That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. The dew came. When the dew was gone, thin flakes of frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. The blessing came, but the humbling had to come first. A realigning had to come first. So now let's go back to Daniel. See, I told you I was, I was all over the place today. <laughs> but can we see how there's three different scenarios. One was a godless man who did not give God the glory due to his name. So God brought him to physically bring him to a place of hum- uh, uh, to humble him. Daniel, uh, Jacob used the greed and the, philosophy and the hollow teachings of, by, 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 by human ways, I'm going to go and steal the blessing. But it couldn't enter him until the Jew of heaven came and did its work to humble him so he, he saw God for who he was. He saw God for how great he was to cause a change, a new journey, a new way. And then the people grumbling because they, even though they're in church, even though we're in here, even though we've been on a journey, we're still, our hearts are still relying on the, on the things of Egypt. When we look at our Christian faith, we're walking in obedience, but our hearts are still over there. 
And we have to ask ourselves, where is my heart? Well, actually, when I look at the, philo- when I look at the way I live my life, who am I relying on? Who am I relying on? Who is guiding my ways? What is my attitude towards my father? And then we come back to Daniel. And it says this. So we, end, we finished it in verse 33. where it says, So he says he was driven from away from the people, ate like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, so this is verse 34 to 37, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor was returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. The Jew of heaven came to bring a great humbling in order to bring a great blessing. The Jew of heaven in each case came to bring a humbling in order for it to bring a great blessing. The blessing, is it true that the Jew of heaven brings blessing? Absolutely. The promises that were given to Jacob were in order so that Jacob, having now been, came to his senses on who God was and where his truth lies, where his allegiance lies, how he must live his life, was then able to go on and he had his children, which became Israel, which became the tribes. Which then we have, and then we have, and, the, and we have the Israelites. Did God bring blessing on the Israelites? Yes, because not only did He give them bread for forty years, He could have killed them in the desert, due to their, but He didn't. The Jew kept and sustained them, not for them, because they were disobedient and they refused to obey, but for the generation after them. So that the generation then was able to take hold of, of that which, where God had brought them. Then they were able, under, under, with someone who, who, who was in the domains, to take over into the promised land. So again, God fulfilled and brought his promises. He brought his blessing. Nebuchadnezzar was stripped from his throne in order for his sanity to be returned. So he knew who God was. So let's have a look at what the Jew did. Number one. The Jew of heaven comes to break the work of the enemy and restore sanity to the believer. The Jew of heaven comes to break the work of the enemy and restore sanity to the believer. I, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. You see, when we, when we allow ourselves to live, not when, when we hear all, if, as long as... 
the philosophies and hollow teachings of the world remain in our lives, the word of God can never settle in our lives. So like Jacob, you can receive the blessing, but you can't enter into the blessing. The Jew of heaven came to release him from his bonds. From that bond of, 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 of in, in Nebuchadnezzar's case, it wasn't the bond of slavery, as it were, in, in that sense, because he had loads of money. He had all the things the world would want. But he was, it was the arrogance and the pride of the man that I don't need God. Some of us in our lives aren't in bondage. We're not in this in terms of physically or financially. We're not in a slave. You know, we have our family. We have this, we have that. But the way in which we conduct ourselves stops us from ever entering into fully the promises of God for our lives. It stops us from having a genuine impact into where we go because we are constantly under this, well, this is, this is, I've got everything I want. So I don't, need, I don't need anything. So I come to church, but I don't need to move from where I am because everything's fine. And the Jew of heaven had to come and bring sanity to that situation, to that understanding. This is a deep work that must go. The man was made as low as the animals. Jacob was in the desert with a stone for a pillow, scared out of his wits, having realized who God was. The next thing that he does, the Jew of heaven comes to align our thoughts and understanding with God's truth. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. We have a God. What we are doing now is building for our generation. But there is a generation to come. There is a generation to come after that. Because our God is always working for the generations. For the Israelites. The Jew of heaven came to help that generation. In order for another generation to step into something new. God is wanting us to break into the domains of this world. In order that we open the door at a greater level for the generation to come. Amen. It's not just about us. But it starts with a generation that has to allow themselves to be humbled by the Jew of heaven. The Jew of heaven comes to reveal the power and authority of God. A healthy fear is established. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? When they, when they denied him in, in the desert, God brought the bread. When Nebuchadnezzar di- denied him in his palace, God took him away from all that he had. And Nebuchadnezzar was brought down. Some of us this morning, not in a, and I understand this, rev- that there needs to be a revelation of that which is in us, that is, that, that, that where we have not yet really understood the true power of our God. Some of us are are bound by our jobs. Some of us are bound in our family relationships. Some of us are bound in our emotions. You know, I I had, um, while I was, while we've been going through this house move, I have really struggled. I'll be honest, I'm not going to lie to you. I've really struggled because so intense was I. Just doing my head in this. So so intense was I not to get the, to make it, not to have the wrong decision, not to do what was wrong. But at the same time that I was saying, God, I believe you're going to give me... I mean, what, uh, 
that you were going to give me a miracle. You were going to give me a testimony above all testimonies. I was going to have like a Gideon testimony. You know, it's kind of like, you know, God, give me a house that's like, you know, half a million quid for like 50 quid. I'll do. I like that. You know, and that people would come to my house and would say, look at the, the blessing of God on Paul. And it was, my head was all, it was, it, it might have been right in its, in its sincerity, but it was completely wrong. And, yeah, Em's laughing at me now because she, she's just watching me. But I had to get on my knees, I think it was on Wednesday, because these two houses came up and I hadn't seen them. And one I wasn't, oh, my heart wasn't in. And the other one I thought I wanted. I said, God, what do I do? Because what I'd done is all the time we were looking, I say I believe in God, but then I listen to the estate agent and I, believe, and I constantly went from, God can do anything, but he can't do that. God can give us any land we take, but not that one. I was constantly to and fro, and to and fro. Because the word had not yet entered me. I had not been brought to my knees and been humbled to understand and have that revelation of his power. It hadn't hit me. It it hits me in some areas. But in this area, I was not able to go forward because I could not get clarity in my spirit because my mind was too much in in the philosophy. I was allowing the enemy and the the world's view on what I can and cannot have to dictate that which God can and can't do. So I had to humble myself. And I humbled myself this week. And I had an awesome time with God, one of those times, I don't mind, I was weeping on the floor, it was, it was great because the house was empty so no one knew, um, but you, know, you all do now, but you know, it was one of those moments where God just broke me, and I knew the Jew of heaven had hit me, and I, I woke up with a realisation, I woke up with a sense of clarity in my spirit, but I had to allow myself to get to that stage where I said, God, I don't, I can't live with this philosophy and that philosophy anymore. The truth of your word either has to be in me or it won't ever come through me. And we have to understand that if we ever want to go into a domain and have any influence of wherever we are, we have to become convinced of the power of our king. We have to become convinced of that which he says about me and for me is true. Otherwise, we'll never enter in no matter how great the promise is. The Jew of heaven came to turn the heart, came to turn the heart towards God and His ways. I praised the Most High, I honoured and I glorified Him who lives forever. It brings a new freedom and a new reliance on the way we look towards our Father. These things have to take, the Jew of heaven does all of these things. It's, it's, this is, but it, it's, it's all, only in this moment when God, what, does, what does Psalm 51 say? God, what an ex, a, a, con, a broken and contrite heart you will accept. Yeah. He wants a heart that is so, God, I don't want the world's way in my heart anymore. I just need you. That's the believer that can go and take any domain. That's the believer that will take, all the, that will take the domain of heaven 
that, that is in Zion, the dimension of Zion, and will take it into anywhere. So if, if, you are trying to, if you're trying to be pushed back, you just push back further. Because that which we have behind us is far stronger and greater than that which is pushing against us. For if God is for us, who can be against us? The Jew of heaven caused worship and exaltation to come forth. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. How many times do we question the ways of our God? When God tells you to do something, yeah, but are you sure, God? But are you sure, God? Are you sure? But it causes a a worship in our time. This place, if this place is not saturated in that way by the Jew of heaven, the rain comes after the Jew. The Jew comes for a time to drench and soak. Then we rise differently and then the rain comes after. You often find the rain follows. The rain can come at any time, but that's to soak us and to give us all of what we need. But the Jew of heaven has to get us into the right place in our spirits first. It's If we don't allow the Jew of heaven to fall and, and humble us before him, wor- true worship will never break out. True worship comes out of a heart that is desperate for his presence. True worship comes out of a heart of spirit and truth. So this morning, if you worship and you don't receive the word, because the word and his name are above all things, then there's something in your heart that is, not, that is troubling you. There is something in your heart that isn't quite right, because your heart has not yet been fully turned towards God, because your heart is not yet receiving the word of God. And if you cannot receive the word of God, we're essentially saying, God, I'm not sure if I believe you or not. God, I'm not sure if I can be confident in you or not. God, I'm not sure if I understand you or not. So that's why in this year of revelation, in this year of, of, of where we want fresh revelation, fresh understanding, fresh impartation, there must be, and what I would desire to see, is there is a fresh outbreak of worship in this house. Yeah. That as the Jew of heaven brings us down to our knees, it then allows us to come before him. Because when we are on our knees, we're before his throne. Yeah, yes. We're in his midst. Every time you saw that the dew of heaven fell, there was an encounter with heaven. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, had an encounter. He saw a messenger come from heaven. What did, what did, what did Jacob see? He had an encounter with heaven. He saw heaven. He saw the angels ascending and descending. The Israelites, just imagine the Israelites. And God showed all his glory in the cloud. Wow, that's not even, a, that's real. That's not a dream. That's, that's there, literally in front of you. I'd like that. But if we are a people that continue to hold our hearts back and not allow ourselves to be moved and for God to humble us in order that week he can expose those lies of the enemy that are still living within us. Some of us, the way we run our families needs to change. Some of us, the way we, we run our relationships needs to change. Some of us, the way we see our job and our career needs to change. Some of us, the way we, we see how we, our views on everything from the government to religion and, and our own faith need to change. But it's not to say you're wrong and you're rubbish. It's in order that we are able to then have what, what, what the Jew of heaven does, which is bring the blessing 
of heaven upon him. At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and my splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advice and noble sought me out. So people now start to seek you out. When you have the authentic truth of Christ inside you, people start to seek you out. So it's not like you have to go into the domain and you've got this barrage of soldiers like that. It's not like you're walking to, look at that, if you look at the picture over there, it's not like you walk into a domain and that's what you're seeing and going, oh my goodness. People start to seek you out. Because they can see the dew of heaven on you. They can smell the dew of heaven on you. Because there's something you have that they don't have. There's an understanding and an awakening that you have that they don't have. And that is what allows us to be salt and light to the earth. Because they see the hollow and falseness of the domains of this world. And I believe that God is saying, I was restored to my, he said he was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. If you come with me to Deuteronomy 11, here we'll finish. And this is the scripture that God brought to me and, um, a few weeks ago. And I, I, was, I was woken up by a picture of like a peach. I don't like peaches, but this one looked really tasty. So it must have been God. And it was bright and it was... It, you know when a fruit just looks absolutely delicious? Yeah? yeah? And you're just like, oh, wow, I really want that. And I, I woke up one Sunday morning with this... Right, literally, it's like I could touch it. I could see it now. I'm like, God, what's what do you see? So, the usual thing popped into my head, you know, new fruit or fruit or life or you know that kind of stuff. And God was saying, yes. But then when I started to look further, God brought me to Deuteronomy 11. And there's a long scripture, so I'm not going to read it all to you because there's loads of it. It's pretty much like three quarters of a chapter. But I don't, so go on and read it. It's cool. But it starts off in um, verse 8. Verse 8 to 17 we'll read. It says, Observe therefore all the commands I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And so that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them and their descendants. A land flowing with milk and honey. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. Where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your corn new wine and olive oil. The Jew of heaven promised that for, for, over Jacob. You go back, he promised the new wine, the corn and the olive. He, 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 he promised it to him. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and we will eat and be satisfied. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. 
Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the land the Lord has given you. So what we see here is the world system will always give you something. When the, when the, when the, the Israelites were in Egypt... It's when, it, when I looked into well, what is irrigating it by foot, what happened was all the water came from the Nile. So they had these, they channeled all the water. So anytime the Israelites, even though they were in like a really hot, dry country, they were able to water it anytime they want. They used the world system, they used the Nile, they used all the things that the Egyptians gave them. So they could just do it themselves. There was no reliance on God. They just did it. But in the land that God is taking us to, in the domains that God wants us to go into, he only sends the rain and we have to live off the rain of heaven. We don't live off the domains of this world anymore. We don't live off our job in the, in the sense of that's where our, that's where our heart is, that's where our, that's where our reliance on is. He says, no, because if you don't serve me with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, you don't give me that, you don't humble yourself and allow this work to continue, then I'll just stop the rain. And the land I have promised you, you can't stay in. Because it's one thing to enter a new land, but it's another thing to stay there. You see, I, I've, bought, I've got a new house that I'm going to do, but if I don't keep up my mortgage payments, I'm not going to be there very long. God desires me to be in there, but if I don't let God provide for me, I won't be able to pay my mortgage. And my house will not be mine anymore. It will belong to the bank. But I believe God, as Pastor Tony takes us through more and more about his kingdom coming, he will give us the specific strategies. He will give us, God through him will give us all that we need. He will begin to show us. But it's time that we have to, in this season, I believe God is saying, you need to posture your heart to allow me to humble you again. This is not about you being bad. This is about taking out those things which contaminate our walk with him. It's about allowing us to see and enter into the full promise that God is giving us today. The dew of heaven is a blessing. The dew of heaven is a blessing. But there's a process in order to get to that blessing. And that is this morning what, what we say. It says, if you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours and your territory shall extend. When we read about the, the seven mountains, they were the seven nations who were what? Bigger and stronger than us. But when we have the dimension of Zion in our hearts, when we humble ourselves and we, and we allow the might of our God, the power of our God, the glory of our God, and the truth of our God to come and over and, and, and bring us to that truth in Christ, then nothing can stop us from going and taking those nations. Nothing can stop us from going into every domain that God places us in and having dominion in that domain. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand to our feet. Well, I didn't have a clue how that was going to go, and now I do. But I really believe, guys, that this morning, I just want us to ask, and really to, to put, it's a strange thing to ask for God to humble you. 
in the world's eyes. But if you understand why you're being humbled, then you'll desire a humbling. It's almost like, you know, and I always come back to it, whenever Pastor Pete and Karen are here and someone says they're going through suffering, they always go, brilliant, why? What's going on? Why? Because they know the suffering will, will lead to glory. And I believe this morning, the Jew of heaven is not something that we should now see as a, as a bad thing. The, the Jew of heaven, because the Jew of heaven works in different ways. I, if you ask for the Jew of heaven, I'm not saying God's going to make, you know, trust me, you won't be eating grass next week. You won't be laid low. And, and, and God is not, this, these were, those were just the three examples that I saw in the scriptures where God used the Jew of heaven to bring about his greatness. And as his greatness grows in our hearts, our hearts are turned to him. Our worship becomes abundant in him. And, then our, and everything we do is then created and governed by him. And then his power comes in us. And out of the power that comes in us, we then take that into the domains of this world. And we then become nation changers, city shakers. We then become people who are able to be the people that God has always wanted us to be. Amen. So come on, let's just raise our hands this morning. Father, we thank you for the Jew of heaven. Father, we thank you that you are, you are willing to send your Jew in order to bring about your blessing, in order to bring about um, uh, the revelation of who you are. So I pray, Almighty God, right now, send the Jew of heaven over this, over this place, Father. Father, we no longer want to live by the world's plans. We no longer want to be captured and captured by, by, by the things of, of, of the domains of this world. But my God, we want to be captivated by you. We want to be captivated by you, oh my God, and your truth set in Christ Jesus. So Father God, we today make, make, our, make our, our statement and say, Father, we believe in your word. We believe your word and your name are higher than any domain in this world. We believe that you are over every situation. You are over every, every, every place. You are over every, every thought. We say, so Father God, take captive every thought right now. Take captive every philosophy that is in our hearts. Father, I pray, reveal to us those things which still lie within us. Revealing us, oh God, those things that are still keeping us in fear, that are still keeping us in bondage, that are still keeping us held back from your love, from your purpose, from your blessing, from the things of your promise. Father God, we say, we give our hearts to you right now. Father, let your Jew bring out a fresh sense of worship in this place. Father, let a new sense of worship abound and explode in this place. Let there be a liberty that comes from it, oh God. Father, your humbling is a liberty. Because as we are humble, we are no longer of the lies of the past. But now, my God, we see the truth and beauty and freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So right now, Father, we embrace your Jew. Come on, church, just begin to embrace it. We begin to ask him. Just begin to say, Father, release me from the bonds of, of, of this world. Release me from of the, of, of, the, of the teachings that are hollow and are deceptive. Father, no more. I don't want them to rule my life anymore. I don't want it to rule in my family. I don't want it to rule in my, in my job. I don't want it to rule over, over our government. I don't want it to rule over, over, over the entertainment and media and all the other places. Father, turn our heart towards you. Turn our heart towards you, Father, this morning.